Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Hello, and welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Jacqueline Whit, Professor of Strategy and the War Room podcast editor here at the U.S. Army War College. Thanks for joining us for today's program. Today, we're going to look at a relatively contemporary theorist as part of our Great Strategists series. And this theorist's work has really helped change how we understand the application of air power in particular. So I've asked Dr. Clay Chun, who is the department chair of the Department of Distance Education in the School of Strategic Land Power, to come and join me today in a discussion about Colonel John Warden and his work, The Enemy as a System. Clay is a retired Air Force officer, holds a PhD in public policy analysis, and has written extensively about air power theory, so he's well suited to this uh, discussion. So Clay, thanks for joining us here today at the War Room. Well, thanks, Jackie. Um, Before we start talking about John Warden, perhaps some context about his theory would help. As you recall, when you look at history, air power was certainly um, a challenge for most contemporary military thinkers and leaders when it first appeared in World War I. Many people thought that air power by itself was, was an extension of land power, but it gave certain types of, of benefits, capabilities that were never seen before. At first, people thought it was just an extension of the cavalry for reconnaissance. Later, the thought that maybe air power can be used for close air support in the in sense of, of using it as an artillery. But later, as, as World War I progressed, air power was able to, to shape and change people's thoughts. In, for example, in uh, the German Air Force, they used Gotha bombers and Zeppelins to attack London. So the thought was, how could I use this air power, this newfound air power, to, to affect an enemy? Now comes some thoughts after World War I. Well, if air power could do this, certainly with its speed, its, its ability to avoid defenses, it could attack a nation directly. One of those theorists, and you may have heard about it or read about him, Julio Duhay, thought that affecting air power, using air power, you could affect the will of, of a people and, and certainly end the war. Later on in World War II, theorists decided, well, maybe what we can do is something a little different. Maybe we can affect the economy and, and defeat a country that way. So... Along comes John Warden. As a student at National Defense University, he thought, well, maybe, maybe looking at, at air power, uh, maybe not just looking at the will or the economy, maybe we should think about the enemy as a system. And that th- gave him an emphasis to write a, th- uh, a thesis and look at air power a little differently. Maybe perhaps that, that air power can now strike an enemy as a system. Okay, so when can you tell us a little bit more about when Warden is writing, and when, so when is he a student? 
he certainly was was in the 1980s when he started looking at, at at this idea. He was profoundly affected by the Vietnam War in linebacker two when when he saw that that air power was able to, in his opinion, put the North Vietnamese back onto the peace negotiations and uh, affect a a negotiated peace with with the American government for okay. it for the ceasefire. So he has he has not quite a century, but seventy years of sort of air power theorists that he's reading, he's watching, um, like you said, the Vietnam War and what happens with linebacker too. And so is he is he a student when he writes the enemy as a system? That is correct. That was his student paper. Hey, so look, if you're a war college student, you too can write something like profoundly impactful and important. That's correct. And and he certainly got the idea published and his ideas were used in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Okay. So when we can now read The Enemy as a System, it's not very long, uh, right? It's a, it's a student paper um, and we can read it and it's because it's written in the 80s, it feels easy to read in some ways for contemporary readers. Co- correct. But what would you what would you say might help someone who's approaching this piece for the first time really understand it? Well, you have to think about how he uses a lot of background history. And he looks at at how did air power evolve? How did air power uh, could be used as an influence upon shaping the nature of the conflict? So if we understand Warden is using historical examples and historical um, cases, what what is the theory that he puts forward? What does it mean when we say that thinking about the enemy as a system might change uh, the application of air sure. power in particular? If you look at, at his idea of a, a system, uh, he uses the example or he categorizes a nation state as a biological system. And when, when he does that, he divides it into five parts. If we go from inside out, we start with, with leadership. That's, in, in a sense, if it's a biological system, it, it's its ability to think, the brain, if you would. The next ring, if you would, or, or level, is organic essentials. So that would be uh, items like um, oil or, or foodstuffs that, that get the system to work. The next system would then be infrastructure. So you have like a bone, bone structure or some sort of uh, system, blood system. Well, we make the analogy, uh, it would be for a nation, roads, railroads, power grids, airports, those types of activities that make the nation run. The fourth ring would be population. Now, it's not that, that we focus on bombing that population, but, but certainly you can have morale effects on, on that population. And last is fielded forces. That, that would be the structure that, that keeps the, the body uh, uh, whole. Uh, military forces, for example. Now, why I said looking at it from inside out, in the past, for, for many military uh, activities and, and actions and operations, we attacked from outside in. So we so land forces had to attack the field forces first to get into the into the country. 
air power, or at least how Warden thought about air power, uh, because of the, the speed, the stealth, the ability to avoid air defenses, and later on, uh, after Vietnam, the, the use of, of, of precision-guided munitions, he thought that, that maybe instead of going through the field forces, fielded forces first, we would attack leadership. And so if you could attack leadership, whether it's decapitation of, of the leader or somehow being able to isolate that leader, uh, you could have some sort of strategic par paralysis, or in other words, you stun the system so that you can either now at your leisure attack those other systems or maybe create such a confusion on the nation that they won't be able to, to operate. That it sort of collapses in on itself or it opens up space for you to attack the other. Correct. This assumes that, that the nation state is treated like this. And I'll talk a little bit about some, some concerns that I have uh, later in, in, in the podcast. But you, what you want to think about, and, and if we, we kind of expand this out with, with Warden, if we think of a system, maybe what you should, you should take out of this is what end are you trying to, to achieve? So in this case, Warden said paralysis. Well, maybe some other end that, that you're trying to, to achieve and look, looking at, again, the, the, the enemy as a system, um, that will force you to kind of think about, about what you want to attack or what you want to maybe not necessarily destroy, but maybe disrupt. So is it the, uh, the, the direct threat of enemy action? Is it resources? What exactly are you trying to do with, with, with this, this enemy? So it gives you some food for thought, but in many cases previous to, to uh, Warden, it wasn't as explicit about using looking at the enemy as a system. And certainly uh, others have tried to, to identify, well, maybe it's the economy, like in World War II with the combined bomber offensive, but maybe it's something else that, that you might want right. to consider. And it seems like Warden then gives us a way to think about the economy and the population and the leadership and the fielded forces all together rather than as sort of discrete elements that they're that they're all functioning together. They're all working together. together. Uh, but I will have to say that in World War II when, when they had the combined bomber offensive and they talked about the economy, uh, certainly you can, you can draw parallels to that too. But it wasn't, again, as explicit as what Warden brought mm -hmm. out. Great. So, and I think the biological sort of metaphor is, is helpful in thinking about um, how you would how you would understand the way that these that these work together? So it's maybe not revolutionary; it's evolutionary in some ways, um, but it does give us a new vocabulary and a new way of thinking. So cor correct. And so if you think about it, may maybe uh, Warden is a little bit like Liddell Hart, where he looks at the indirect effect instead of having a direct effect of, of attacking the fielded forces, this indirect effect of hitting leadership or some other type of activity, whether it's, it's perhaps you want to attack the infrastructure, you think that that's important, that's, that's the critical note, then certainly uh, that, that's, uh, that gives you, again, some food for thought. Great. So earlier you said that Warden's theories are sort of put to use in the Gulf War. Can you talk a little bit about how um, how Warden's ideas were put into practice in the 80s and 90s? Correct. Uh, if we looked at, at Desert Storm, when, we, when the Allied coalition first attacked Saddam Hussein, they went first for 
attacking leadership positions. So whether it is the ability of the Iraqi military's command and control or isolating Saddam Hussein, uh, knowing that the, that the Iraqi enemy was centrally commanded and controlled, knocking that leadership out uh, affected a lot of confusion among the, among the Iraqis, and they weren't able to effectively fight as, as well as, as people thought they would. Right, so by the time that the army comes in, the, the air force and air power has done uh, a su- significant amount of work in, in weakening the Iraqi system, weakening command and control and things like that. Exactly, and, and if one thinks about it, uh, at the time in the, in the early 1990s, uh, the U.S. Air Force, Navy, and, and other coalition partners had uh, very much modern-day aircraft systems, much better than World War II or World War I, uh, stealth, uh, that was important to, to avoid enemy air defenses and precision-guided gu- munitions that could hit buildings with one one round. Sure. When you think about the implications of Warden's theory being used in um, in the Gulf conflict, in Desert Storm and Desert Shield, do you think that that ser- did that serve as like proof of concept for air power thinkers and for strategists? I think the the great benefit of looking at at John Warden's system is that it was an effects based objectives or 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 way to think about uh, attacking an enemy. Uh, one of the most important things is again to need to identify what is important due to effect, and that led to a priority of specific order. It looked at 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 the enemy as a as a whole in the system. Uh, in other words, it was like a precursor to design, operational design. Okay. And so that, w- that gave you the emphasis to, to, again, think about what you were trying to do. I, uh, I believe that, that previous military actions in, 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 in Vietnam and, and Korea and World War II had that, but it wasn't as coherent as, as John Warden put it all together. Sure. So we've talked about some of the ways that warden series have been used and they continue to be uh, I think influential but what are some of maybe the the pitfalls or challenges that we might face when confronting uh, warden and the enemy as a system sure uh, first I, I'd ask the question can air power do this all by itself one could wonder well now that we have cyber could cyber do many of the same things that, that air power does without physical damage uh, we have unlimited access. We assume there's unlimited access to attack enemy targets in uh, using air power. That may or may not be true. In addition, does the nation react and operate this way that you're trying to attack? So in other words, do, does this, this targeted system work like that biological system? Again, we're looking at countries that perhaps are similar to Western countries like ourselves. Is that, is that correct or not correct? That's for that whatever planner or policymaker to make a decision. So in some ways, you still have to know a lot about the enemy that you're attacking to know where, where different target sets are or where different effects might be achieved. And that might differ depending on who the enemy or who the adversary is. Sure. It's just like using Sun Tzu. Know your enemy. 
So all of this comes together. It's, it's just a combination of how you want to, to look at, at, at that enemy. Uh, I'd also further say that what happens if the enemy is a non-state actor? A terrorist organization. And why I say that, what, again, what happens if, if you have terrorist cells that have decentralized leadership or easily replaceable leadership? Does this theory work? And again, it, it's, it's something that you want to consider. Similarly, the timing. You, does this work with a sudden strike? First off, to take leadership out. Or can you wait? If you wait, does that, does that enemy have the ability to uh, defend, def build up its defenses or disperse its leadership or perhaps adapt to, to something else? I would also kind of think about, uh, with John Warden, he put it in a fairly simple terms of a five-ring model. But maybe is this maybe the system is a little bit more complex than what he 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 wrote about, and maybe that's something again we're we're looking at cause and effect. That that that's very difficult in some sure. cases to 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 just say well okay one two three we're going right. to attack and we're going to defeat the enemy. Yeah, I mean in visual it strikes me that in visual depictions of the five ring system it looks basically like a target right it looks correct like it, you it's like a, a bullseye it's a yeah it's a that's that's the that's the word i was looking for and so but that's different from how we might visualize now we, when we talk about complex adaptive systems uh, that are constantly changing and so that would even even our understanding of systems theory i think has has probably changed and evolved since the 1980s Correct, but but I think that that with all of this, any theory that that you deal with, you're going to have some some concerns about when you look at it. But I think the strength of Warden is that it forces you to think. It forces you to think of of all the the inputs and outputs, all the the causes and effects, all the the impacts that you're going to have to consider when you you use a particular weapon. Right. So I guess this is really where we where we wrap up with my last question, which is, is Warden still worth reading and paying attention to for contemporary strategists, maybe for people who are not in the Air Force or not considering air power? Uh, is Warden helpful for contemporary strategic thinkers? With the caveats that I mentioned, I definitely believe it is. Right. And, and certainly if you, you look at and I would think that, that as, as in the future, nation states or potential uh, organizations that, that you might want to affect using this theory, uh, they're only going to get more complex. And with that complexity, you have to be forced to think of, of, of what effects uh, you're trying to uh, uh, accomplish and how, if you are going to attack it, what, what's going to happen with that attack. Great. So I think with that question, we'll leave you with that, and we will sign off today from the War Room. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear even more great content, subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.